Well, Sunday night's here. Thanks for coming by. I'm George Watkins. This is our Sunday night blessing time that we meet every week at 6 p.m. Thank you for coming by. We intend to, <laughs> we strive, put it that way, and, and uh, focus on Sunday nights, just a little different approach, perhaps. <clears throat> some of our Sunday nights are a little longer. Often, in some of the seasons past, we have interviewed people on Sunday night. Plan to do that in the future as we continue. But tonight, I want to talk about the communion table or the Lord's Supper. If you're new to our broadcast, thanks for coming by. Stay around for a while. God's got a good word for you. And we are on this same channel you're looking at today every morning, early, early, early. We come on, on the West Coast very early so the East Coast can have their breakfast with us. <laughs> I love that. And we're also on a podcast that goes in many parts of the world. I have people responding from a multitude of nations asking to be a part of um, the friends and, you know, the following and all that. So that's exciting to see what God will do with just a few simple steps of faith and the good word of God. Amen. Well, I want to talk about communion today or the Lord's Supper, as we call it in the church. I want to read out of John 6, and we're going to read out of uh, 1 Corinthians 11. These are familiar, very familiar verses to you and I that have been <laughs> had communion very often. And one of the things that, that, I, that happened to me when... Uh, when I came into a charismatic season, you remember when what they call the charismatic movement began to dominate and come into the, to the uh, Pentecostal world. It began to change some of our styles and forms. We begin to do things a little different. One of the things we did was uh, remove the choir and engage the congregation. And so the congregation began to sing and praise in concert instead of having entertainment by the choir singing. Not that I am opposed to choirs. They're very talented, beautiful, and make sweet music to the Lord. However, the charismatic movement or the charismatic emphasis beginning somewhere around um, the late 50s, breaking into the 60s, and then exploded into the 70s, changed some of our style of things. And one thing it did for me as I began to pastor, I realized that the once a month was the Pentecostal style of taking what we call the Lord's Supper. And that means a little cracker and a little uh, juice in a cup. And we would read a few scriptures and, and often pray together or sing a song. And then that was it. We'd go on with the service. Well, it became such a ritual that there was no life in it for me. So we didn't do it every 
week so that it would break the rhythm. And then we came along where we did it every week to emphasize the experience. Well, be that as it may, what I want to talk about tonight is just a little different view of the Lord's Supper than we have taken in the traditional church. So let's pick it up in, uh, in the book of John and the sixth verse. And I'm going to take a little more time tonight with the mere Bible, which has been one of my favorite translations as of late. And um, we'll pick it up in, the, um, in John 6, 51. This is where Jesus is having communion or having the Last Supper, as they call it. They, they were, uh, they, he was planning to uh, <laughs> go sacrifice himself on the cross. And all of the things that happened with the cross and the resurrection is now contained in this dialogue or monologue, perhaps. But then they were asking questions, dialogue in this, this set of scriptures. And if you can catch the, the power of this thought that I'm sharing with you, it'll revolutionize your walk with the Lord in a, uh, in a wonderful way. Amen. Now, Jesus um, <clears throat> picks it up in the 51st verse, John 6. I am the living bread. I stepped out of the heavenly realm into this earth suit in the incarnation so that everyone may feast on the idea of their true incarnate identity mirrored in me and discover the life of <laughs> the ages incarnate in them. Oh my, I have trouble reading and meditating and going through this translation because it explodes so many uh, threads, <laughs> threads of truth. <clears throat> the Bible says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So when, when we're reading or looking into something that was taught or spoken by Christ, suddenly just phew, those threads go out into so many wonderful ways. So <laughs> this statement here says that when you see me, you see yourself mirrored in me. When you see me, you see yourself mirrored in me. I read a phrase the other day that said, God proved the wonderful miracle thing about the human body that God can live in that body because God came to live in Jesus's body. Now that's a long statement of the short paraphrase I read, but the, the, the meaning was that you and I have been created to be temples of God. That's why David said we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Why? Because we were constructed for God to live within this temple. <laughs> oh my. Okay, let's go on. <clears throat> Jesus goes on to say, the bread that I will give is my own flesh. It will translate into life for the entire cosmos. That means everything was created. True. It will translate. My body will translate into life for the whole cosmos. 
Well, this brought a war of words among the Jews, the next statement says, or the next verse. So 53, now, instead of softening the blow, Jesus <laughs> cranks it up some. And he goes on to say, I say unto you that you have no real life in yourself until you consume the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Now, you can understand now he's doing this in the synagogue. He's not doing this in a private party somewhere, you know six guys around a, a table in the back room. No, he's doing this in the synagogue and he's talking about eating human flesh and drinking human blood. That's that's the that's what's coming across to those Jewish uh, elders and leaders of the Senate and all that. Okay. <laughs> Sparks are flying. Why? Because he's beginning to reveal the power of his sacrifice on the cross. Now, remember, when we get to the chapter in Corinthians, and he's, we're being reminded of why we take this. And when we take it, remember. What are we remembering? Are we, are we remembering this, the suffering? That's what we were somewhat taught often over the years. We were supposed to, uh, to imagine in our mind the blood and the cross and the whippings. And somehow there was an emotional, you know, connection of sorts. That's not what he's asking us to remember. He's asking us to remember what the, the product of his death and resurrection was. Not the journey through it, not the blood and the gore and the death and the you know all the things that went on but the process of that that produced you and i in the station we are in now that's what we're to remember amen all right verse uh, 54 to assimilate my flesh and absorb my blood to digest me is to echo the life of the ages and to be co-risen with me in the full conclusion of my work of redemption. All right. Here's why we remember his death and resurrection is because we're reminded of that. We were, we died with him. We were buried with him. We went to hell with him. We rose with him and ascended to the father. We were accepted by the father as a perfect sacrifice. And then we are now co-seated with him in heavenly places. That's why we remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, remember the Lord's death until he comes. Uh -huh. Okay. My flesh is food in its truest form and my body is drink in its truest form. Eating my flesh and drinking my blood celebrates our seamless union. You and me, and I and you, because you won't find you until you find me. <laughs> you and me, and I and you, because you won't find you until you find me. Boy, that'll preach. Amen. All right, communion then is a reminder of our inclusion into the body of Christ. And as one 
part, one member of the, of the body of Christ. Now, the triune being, the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is no longer, after the cross and resurrection, is no longer the triune being. Hold on, I'm making new doctrine now here. <laughs> new theology, it's coming at you. The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are not a threesome. It's the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, and you in Christ. That's four. So you are of such a part of the family of God that there's no longer just God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, three in one. It's now four in one. How about that for a shockaroo? That's how close we are and how involved we are in this spiritual adventure called the kingdom of God. <laughs> That's what communion speaks to us. That's why we drink the blood and eat the flesh in our, in, in the uh, Protestant attitude is it's a symbolic form. The Catholics believe it's transubstantiation turns into the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I think the arguments kind of mute, moot, <laughs> that's a better word mute's not the word word i i don't think it's ar needed to be argued i think the spiritual implication is so powerful and so strong that let's let's stay with that because that's where we belong amen all right now as the living father has sent me and also sustains me so will i sustain the one eating me I live through my father, just like my daily bread sustains me. So his life permanently resides in me. Now you may also continually and habitually feast on me and live through me. That's why we take the word of God as bread. He is the bread of life to us. That's why we eat the word. That's why we devour and meditate upon his, not just his biblical writings in the pages of the New Testament in the red letter, but that whole spiritual application when we are communicating and in meditation and in prayer, and he speaks to us and gives us a word. It's bread from heaven. <laughs> wow. I tell you, communion becomes a living experience. Now, the uh, first chap, first Corinthians, first Corinthians 11 and 22, <clears throat> 22, 23. I've preached on this. <laughs> I was going to say a thousand times, probably not that much, just a lot, because we use this in our communion service. 11.22, if you want to indulge, then do so in private in your own homes. Now, they're, they're, coming, they're coming to eat. They're, they're becoming gluttons. They, they eat so much and drink so much wine that they, they kind of you know, pass out or something. And, and Paul is, is uh, upbraiding, and that's a King James word for uh, you know, scraping on them, some sandpaper in them. He said, if you want to overindulge, then do it in privacy of your own homes. Why despise the assembly and insult the poor? Let's see. 
let me let me remind you then what we are actually celebrating in our fellowship meal the night in which the lord was betrayed he took bread and gave thanks breaking the bread into portions he said realize your association with my death every time you eat all right here's the here's the punchline for this night every time you eat not Sunday morning communion once a month, once a week, not just in the celebration of that traditional service and not taking away from that, enjoy it. But I want you to catch a hold of why Paul is emphasizing this that Jesus said. He said, every time you eat, as often as you eat my body and drink my blood, you are doing something to remind yourself of who you are and why I came and what had happened to you and why you are no longer a human. You are a new creature in Christ and you live in me and we see, we are seated in heavenly places. Okay. <laughs> well, if you've just joined the Christian community, that's kind of Greek to you, but listen, keep listening to the Holy Ghost and the revelation of who you are in Christ will be get, become a living reality. All right, let's let's just let's nail this down. Let me remind you then what we are actually celebrating in our fellowship meal. The night in which the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks, breaking the bread into portions. He said, realize your association with my death every time you eat. Remember my body that was broken for you. He did exactly the same with a cup. This cup holds the wine of the new covenant of my blood. You celebrate me every time you drink with this understanding. He redeemed us for the purpose of being sons of God, sons and daughters, but sons of God, the Bible repeats it. And the reason I'm emphasizing this is because I believe the true meaning of this celebration is to remember this every time we take a mouthful of food, not once a month, not once a week. But when we put a mouthful of food or a, you know, a cup of water or whatever else you're drinking into your mouth, remember the body and remember the blood. And if you'll do that, if you'll have such a repetitive remembrance of why the blood and the body and what it did for us and, and the covenant and the cross and the ascension and the Holy Ghost coming and the kingdom developing and you and I as sons and daughters of God. We have been brought back into the Father's heart. Now remember, it was God on the cross in Jesus reconciling us back to himself. What do you reconcile us from? A broken covenant. Adam broke the covenant. We were separated. And Jesus, his sacrifice, God on the cross, in Jesus, brought us back to himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then the revelation Paul had through his writings is that it was God in Jesus reconciling, bringing us back to himself. If you'll pick up a habit, a repetitive habit of 
when you put food in your mouth, remember the body of Christ. When you put drink in your mouth, remember the blood of Christ. You say, well, what do I have to do? Let your spirit do it. You don't have to consciously go through some mantra and try to repeat, you know, words every time you eat. But if you'll set up that your spiritual uh, receptor to re be reminded every time you sit down to eat and have a meal, this is why Jesus came to give us freedom, to deliver us from bondage, to bring us back to sonship, to return us back to the heart of the Father. We have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. <laughs> wow. Well, there's no way we can capture some of these thoughts in, in such a short time. But I want to encourage you in the, in the communion attitude, not just the communion table, as we say, but that communion attitude where we eat and drink, we eat and drink, we eat and drink. And it can be at a dinner table with food, or it can be in your private prayer closet with meditation, prayer, Bible study, Bible meditation, so forth. Take in the body because it was broken for you. Take in the blood because he shed it for your redemption. When you remember that, then you remember who you are in Christ. Now, scripture goes on to say, I won't continue reading tonight, but the scripture goes on to say, if you forget this, or if you don't get this, if you don't do this communion uh, routine, as he's describing here, you, you can become weak and sick and even die prematurely ahead of your time because you are forgetting why God brought you and what he brought you to if you forget your communion purpose. The body and the blood keeps our faith sharp because we know who we are in Christ because of that body and that blood sacrifice brought us into sonship. All right, well, God bless you tonight on Sunday night. Trust this has been a, a night of encouragement and enlightenment and to stir you up to see if these things be true. <laughs> well, I'll see you in the morning bright and early. Our Monday morning starts early and we're going to have a supernatural week. Oh, by the way, I will be in Rainier, Oregon next Sunday morning. If you're in that region over at the Assembly of God Church, with Pastor Jeff McCracken on Sunday morning, next Sunday. Come and see us if you're in that region around Longview, Washington. <laughs> Amen. All right. Until tomorrow, may the Lord bless you and keep you as you remember his death, burial, and resurrection.